0: Um, We're going to have our reading now, which comes from John chapter 14, and Jill's going to to bring that to us. Page uh, 1082 in the Church Bibles.
1: Jesus and his disciples have just eaten the Last Supper together, and he's spoken of his death and of Peter who was going to deny him. They're frightened and they don't understand what Jesus is saying. And so Jesus goes on to say, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. (coughs) Philip said, Show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? even after I have been among you for such a long time. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you.
0: Thanks, Jill. Well, we're going to be looking at that uh, passage in a short while, but uh, I'm going to spend some time in prayer, first of all, and uh, Stuart's going to come and lead us.
2: I was reminded this morning of a... Um, A hymn I used to sing in Northern Ireland. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Let's pray. Dear God, we feel overwhelmed when we listen to the news. There's wars in Europe. There's crisis, economic crisis in Greece, Lord. There's religious hatred so strong in the people would die in order to just kill other people. There's pain of others that we love, friends. There's brothers, there's sons, there's sisters and there's parents. Help us to trust in you. Help us to believe that you are the creator God and you use all things for good you hold all things in your power and in your control. Lord, we pray for Ukraine, Lord, we pay for peace and we stop stop the escalation of of conflict there, Lord. Pray for those in who have sickness and long term illness, and there's so many over the last two or three years in this church, Lord. We thank you for healing. Help us to pray as a church and as individuals for our friends who do not know you, other Christians who are throughout the world who are in financial difficulty. They're at risk of torture, imprisonment, and even death. I pray that we would uphold them daily and in our lives in prayer for you, them, their lives, and their faith. And I thank you for their salvation. I thank you that you taught us on earth in your word in your word you 14 John 14:27 14, you said my peace i leave with you my peace i give to you not as the world gives do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid i thank you when you were on this earth you taught us to pray our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come Well, picture the scene. Jesus
0: and his disciples are in an upper room of a house celebrating the Passover supper. Probably quite relaxed in each other's company. They've been together for um, about three years now. Uh, They know each other pretty well. Um, Then Jesus gets up and washes his disciples' feet. A little bit weird, they might think, but they're probably used to surprises by this stage. But nothing then prepares them for what comes next. Three bombshells. And if you look at chapter 13, first one of those is in verse 21, when Jesus says, very truly I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. The reaction of the disciples in verse 22 is that they stared at one another at a loss to know which of them he meant. It's a bit of a conversation killer, isn't it? Then in verse 33, Jesus says, My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. Sounds like he's going to desert them to abandon them. You're on your own now, I'm off. And then in verse 38, Jesus tells Peter, Before the cock crows, you will disown me three times. Peter the rock on whom Jesus was going to build his church looks like it's going to crumble and fail. Now, they always say the bad news comes in threes, but that's enough to knock uh, the faith of anyone. And Jesus recognises that even if they're not anxious now, even if they just shrug off what he's saying, when it comes to it, when the soldiers come and take him away, when they see him flogged and crucified, their emotional, their spiritual states will be In total turmoil. The leader they've devoted their lives to for the last few years, for whom they've given up everything, will be separated from them. And despite everything he's taught them, they'll be questioning what was the point of it all? What was that all about? And so, chapter 14 starts with the words of Jesus to his disciples Do not let your hearts be troubled. And that's the context of the next I am statement that we're looking at this morning in this series in John's, Gospels, John's Gospel. I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's the statement we're looking at. And the context, though, is important to understanding it because that statement is part of the reason Jesus gives to his disciples that they shouldn't be troubled. I don't know whether there are things that are troubling you at this time. Maybe you're anxious. Maybe you are struggling with sleepless nights, with worry, with loss of concentration, maybe loss of appetite. And what starts it off is often fear. Fear maybe the fear of failing exams, the fear of redundancy, of illness, of separation from our loved ones, of death. It may be a real fear, Or may just be our minds playing havoc with us. We've been given very active imaginations, haven't we? We've been made in the image of God who has an infinite imagination. So that's great when things are going well and uh, the world is our oyster. But when trouble comes, that imagination can be a real curse, can't it? We think of all the possible things that could go wrong, all the possible consequences, all the things that we may no longer be able to do. Well, how can these words of Jesus be a comfort to us this morning? Chapter 14 to 17 of John's Gospel are known as the farewell discourse, but um, these are not the words of despair that some will utter on their deathbed. These are words of great encouragement. Jesus wants to lead the disciples with hope. and I pray to you this morning that we would be left with that same Christian hope, that same trust in the promises of Jesus. Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. And then he says, you believe in God, believe also in me. Trust me, he's saying, trust me. And the three reasons Jesus gives why we should trust him. Do not let your hearts be troubled, trust Jesus. Because first of all, Jesus will take us to be with him and the Father. Jesus will take us to be with him and the Father and the Father. My house, he says, has many rooms. I don't know what picture that conjures up in your mind. Maybe some sort of a huge heavenly hotel complex. I don't think that's quite the point here. I think he's saying that in God's house, there will be sufficient space for all believers. And believers will not be treated as one big faceless crowd, all huddled together in a, in a big dormitory. They'll each have their individual identities. They'll each have, effectively, their their own room. There's not a limited number of rooms in the sense that once they're full, people will be turned away. No, there's space for everyone who wants to be there. And it's not a, a hotel. It's a house. It's a house in the sense that God has welcomed us, he's invited us as his children to be there with him, to share our lives with him. And notice also that the emphasis here is not on a place. It's actually on a person. What does Jesus say? He says, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. So it's not about going to heaven, because what Jesus um, will do when he comes again is he will restore the earth, he will restore the heaven, he will bring them together. So it's about being in a lovely, it's about being with. God in his presence, rather than being in a lovely place. That is the glorious future we have to look forward to, being with God himself. So why can't he take his disciples with him now, though? Well, the reason you can't go with me yet, Jesus says, is because I have to go ahead and prepare a place for you, and then I'll come back and take you to be with me. Now, again, I'm not sure what sort of image that may conjure up to you. It may feel like arriving at a hotel early and they're still getting your room ready after the mess the previous occupants have left it in. Maybe you've invited people to lunch. Maybe it's like the Turton household, and on a Sunday you've got people coming. You need to make the place clean and tidy and respectable. Uh, empty the ashtrays and clear out the empty beer bottles and that sort of thing. They're um, no, not really, don't worry. But that can't be the explanation here because... If we were to read Matthew's gospel in chapter 25, Jesus says that when he comes again in glory, this is what he will say. He will say, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom, prepared for you since the creation of the world. So the house of God is not in a mess. The rooms don't need preparing in that sense. The rooms have been ready since the creation of the world, waiting for us. So what is it? that Jesus needs to prepare. What does he need to do? Well, at the particular moment when Jesus is speaking to his disciples, effectively the, the doors to the rooms are shut. Something needs to happen for them to be opened so that the disciples can go to be with the Father. What needs to happen is Jesus has to complete his work on earth. He has to deal with, with the problem he came to deal with, the problem of our sin. And he had to allow himself to be arrested, to be unfairly tried, to be flogged and crucified before he was risen from the dead. He ascended into heaven and was exalted at the right hand of the Father. Only by being obedient through that whole process could he prepare a place for us because it's through that process of sacrifice on our behalf that we are able to be cleansed from our sin. We are able to give him the right to stand before the Father in heaven and say, my place here, my room, it's been booked, it's been paid for through the death of Jesus. So if we are believers, we, we don't need to be anxious. We don't need to be troubled about the future because Jesus has taken care of it which is a great reassurance for poor old Peter. He's just been told he's going to deny Jesus three times. He's probably thinking, well, am I still going to get there? Am I still going to be okay? We don't need to worry about whether we have done enough to deserve our entry into heaven because our place there depends not on us, but on the fact that Jesus has prepared it for us. What we need to do is to believe in him, to trust in him that he's done that for us. Do you trust that Jesus' death was sufficient for you to be made right with God? Or are you still trying to find your own way of maybe being accepted by God somehow? It also means that forgiveness and restoration are always possible. Jesus knew that Peter and the disciples would fail him at the crucial time. But he didn't say, look, if you promise to stand by me, I'm prepared to go through with the crucifixion. No, he said, I'm going to die for you even though I know you will desert me. But afterwards, when you come back to me, I will be waiting for you. I will forgive you. I will have a room ready for you. Like the story of the, the prodigal son whose father was waiting for him to return and had his room ready for him. And maybe you're someone here this morning, this morning who is a Christian, just find it quite tough at the moment. Maybe you've started to Compromise your, your faith. Maybe started to get involved in things that deep down you, you know are wrong. Maybe you've lost that initial enthusiasm you had to, and you've become a little bit apathetic. You don't really bother spending much time anymore praying to God, reading the Bible, spending time with him. It's always put off until you've got the time to do it. And of course that time never comes. And if that is you, and don't despair. Turn back to God. Ask him for forgiveness. Ask him to restore that relationship with him. And he will do that. Jesus reassures us that he will take his followers to be with him. But he also reassures us by telling us that we know how we are going to get there. Thomas was your classic uh, skeptic, never one to believe anything too hastily, never, anyone, never one to take anything at face value. Needs proof. And so he says, we don't even know where you are going. So how can we know how to get there? Jesus replies, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's saying, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And as I do that, I'm going to be the way that you will get there. I'm the truth that you need to hold on to if you are to get there. And as you hold on to that truth, as you follow that way, you will enjoy life in all its fullness forevermore. And the amazing thing about this statement, like like all the other I am statements, is that Jesus doesn't talk about this in some sort of abstract way. He doesn't say, look, I can show you the way. I can point you to the truth. I can give you the life. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. Come to me. And so whether we are reunited, Jesus is saying, will depend not on whether you desert me when I'm arrested or or deny me or anything you might try to do to make up for that. Depends on whether you trust that my death for you brings you forgiveness. Whether you believe that the only way to the Father is through me. Jesus says, you believe in God, believe also in me. That is a message of good news, of great comfort, of great reassurance. That we don't need to worry about any other way of trying to make ourselves right with God. But because of our our sinful human minds, people don't just want one way to God. People want various options according to what suits them. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll choose. I want to be in control of how I get to be with God. No one tells me that there is only one way. A few years ago, you may remember, there was a big uh, mining accident in Chile. And uh, 33 miners, los 33, were trapped 2,500 feet below the ground, five miles from the the entrance to the mine. And um, there was a massive rescue effort. They drilled a shaft down. And after 69 days being underground, there was a possibility of rescue. It wasn't a very attractive possibility. They had to go in a tiny capsule, which could only fit one person. But what do you think their thought was at that moment? Do you think it was... Well, I'm not going to get into that little capsule and go up there. That might break halfway up or something. Must be another way of getting out of this mine. No, they would have said, rescue has arrived. There's a way out of this mine. If God himself has opened up a way for us to be made right with him, who are we to question his plan of salvation? God's rescue plan is for everyone. Let's not miss out. Jesus has prepared the way for us to God. He is the way, he's the truth, and the life. Assuming that the disciples have begun to understand why Jesus needs to leave them, um, why he has to prepare the way, there is another question, though, isn't there? Well, what about now? What about now? And you may be feeling that at this point, too. What about now? You know, it's great, I look forward to, to being with Jesus and the Father one day, but... What about now? How am I to cope with my debilitating illness? How am I to cope with my, my loneliness? How am I to cope with my depression? Look at what Philip says in verse 8. He says, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. It's like we want to see him now, you know, not sometime in the future. If we see him now, that will enable us to believe. That is all we need. That is what will take away our troubles. Like Moses hundreds of years earlier, Philip wants to see the glory of God. The ironic thing is that the disciples have seen God in all his glory in the person of Jesus Christ although they've lived with Jesus for the past few years, they still haven't made the link between him and God. And so in actual fact, they still don't really know Jesus. They don't really know him. And that is why Jesus says to Philip, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time. You can feel the, the pain in, in that question, can't you? He's saying, I've given you something far better than a one-off glimpse of God the Father. You've lived with me for the last three years. Every day you've seen the Father in me. I've told you many times how I've come to do the will of the Father, how whatever the Father does, the Son also does. And this is so important to Jesus that five times in these next few verses, he repeats this point. Have a look down if you've got your Bible open. Verse 7 says, If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. Or verse 9, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. Verse 10, don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? <coughs> Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. And finally, verse 11, believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. There is no doubt here that Jesus is saying, I am God and he's revealed the Father to them. And Christianity stands and falls on who Jesus is. If he is God, then there is hope. If he's not who he says he is, then we're all wasting our time here this morning. But if he is God, then, then wow, think of the implications of that. God has visited his creation. God has made it possible for us to know him, to relate to him to understand his love. But even if Jesus convinces them that, okay, we can see that you are God, but you're about to leave us. So even if you are God, how does that help us when you disappear? What are we going to do then? Well, even though Jesus will go away, he won't desert them. Have a look down at verse 16. It says there, I will ask the Father... And he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So we now have the third member of the Godhead introduced to us. God the Holy Spirit. The one here called the Spirit of truth. And as it says in verse 26, the counsellor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. That is why he's also called the spirit of truth, because if Jesus is the way, the truth and the life, then by reminding them of Jesus' teaching, he's reminding them of the truth. The Spirit, Jesus says, will live with you and be in you. Jesus is about to leave them physically. He's going to be raised to life after his death. He'll spend some time with them before he ascends into heaven. And then he will leave them. But he won't leave them completely. He won't leave them as orphans, it says here. He'll be present with them by his Spirit, as he's present with us today, by his Spirit this week saw the, uh, the award of the Victoria Cross to um, Lance Corporal Leakey, who, according to the, uh, the reports, performed an amazing act of uh, courage. He uh, was surrounded by insurgents with a, a group of uh, other soldiers there in Afghanistan. And there was a wounded US um, uh, captain. He didn't abandon him, he ran up a hill, he repositioned a machine gun and uh, started firing at the the insurgents, as it says, despite bullets ricocheting off the machine gun's frame. He then returned to the injured captain. He uh, got another machine gun. He went back up to the hill and carried on fighting. He didn't abandon that wounded soldier. Jesus will come again, and that will be a glorious day, but he hasn't abandoned us until that day. He is with us today by his Spirit. And if we are Christians, the Holy Spirit is dwelling within us. He's giving us peace, peace in our souls. He's giving us strength to cope with our daily troubles. Our relationships or our lack of relationships. Our health or our lack of health. Our work or our lack of work. As it says in Isaiah 43, went 43, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Saviour. Do not let your hearts be troubled. These words were spoken to a bunch of of failures, really, who uh, whose faith was about to be undermined, who still didn't realize that anyone who'd seen Jesus had seen the Father. But they're relevant for them, they're relevant for us. Who knows what may happen to us over the course of this week, this year, something that may knock our faith, but we don't need to be anxious, we don't need to be troubled for these reasons, because our future is certain. Jesus has gone ahead to prepare our place with him. He's done the preparation and he's looking forward to coming and taking us to be with him and the father. He is the way, the truth and the life. The only way to the father is by believing in him. And that is not something to be embarrassed about, ashamed about. That is something to delight in. And he's with us now by his spirit, our guide, our helper, and he will enable us to get through this life and all the, the trials that we will experience by carrying our burdens himself if we will let him do that. Let me leave you with the words of Jesus from verse 27. It's uh, still the same chapter. It's almost the other bookend of this passage where Jesus says this. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Let's just have a moment of quiet to um, reflect on what God might be saying to you through his word this morning and um, then I'll pray. Father God, we thank you that we do not need to be troubled. We thank you that Jesus has done everything necessary for us to be made right with you to give us confidence that one day we can stand before you, we can enjoy being in your glorious presence, all because of what he's done on our behalf. And we thank you that he hasn't abandoned us. We thank you that he sent his spirit to to be with us, to live in us. And we do pray that uh, we would know his strength, his comfort at this time. There will be many here who are going through tough times. Lord, may you be with them. May they know that you are with them. May you reassure them of your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you've suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Amen.